Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. And by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Louisiana, with information about health care reform tax credits, health insurance options, a checklist, and answers to frequently asked questions at bcbsla.com reform. Additional support provided by Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. On paper, it would be hard to find two more different guests than I have on today's show. One of them is a musician and artist, and the other spent 11 years as a surface warfare officer in the U.S. Navy. And yet both these guys mysteriously looked around at the city of New Orleans and came to the strangely identical conclusion. There's not enough booze here. Jed Haas, an artist and musician, solved this problem by founding Atelier V, a distillery in mid-city making Toulouse Red and Toulouse Green Absinthe, Riz Whiskey, and Buck 25 Vodka. Jed, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, Peter. Uh, Kirk Coco, the Navy vet, uh, solved the paucity of booze problem by founding Nola Brewery, where he brews, so far, eight beers, including Nola Blonde, Nola Brown, and Hopatulis. Uh, Kirk, welcome to Out to Lunch. Glad to be here, Peter. What's fascinating about both of you, Kirk and Jed, is that you started businesses in a field that almost any business analyst would tell you was totally saturated. <laughs> uh, but both of you, your companies are successful and growing. Uh, let me start by asking you both the obvious question. What did you see that led you to individually come to the same conclusion that there's a gap in the booze market in, in New Orleans? And uh, I'll start with the, start with Jed. What, what was it? Well, there's obviously a lot of interest in and consumption of alcoholic beverages Got that here. Part. But very little actually produced here. Uh, when we started, there was only Kirk, uh, Nola Brewing, and our friends over at Old New Orleans Rum. Other than that, nothing. Wow. Now, you, um, you started out with the idea of absinthe, then there was some, some bumps in the road initially, right? Uh, uh, yes, there was quite a bit of red tape from the city uh, and the state. Uh, so we came out first with our Buck 25 vodka because it was a little bit faster to get that on the market. Uh, but we did get Toulouse Red on the market just about a year ago, and since then we've released Toulouse Green, uh, traditional style absinthe, and also Riz, Louisiana Rice Whiskey. And coming next Monday, our first gin, Uberseen Gin Number 9. Gin number nine. Yes. Great. Now, with absinthe, wasn't there? What's the hi what's the history of that of that liquor? Absinthe was banned about a hundred years ago, uh, due to some uh, propaganda scare campaigns by the French wine industry. Uh, it was demonized for having this chemical called thujone in it, which allegedly made you crazy and hallucinate. Of course, this was not true, uh, but it never stops uh, liquor being banned because of crazy stories. Uh, absinthe was recently re-legalized in 2007 and the federal government now demands that your absinthe be certified thujone-free, which means 10 parts per million or less, uh, as determined by the government laboratory. Well, now, 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 on the other hand, Kirk, beer is, was only banned for that short period we had back in <laughs> Prohibition. Uh, you, you saw this market, and uh, what is it that made you think there was a, there was a, a slot for you? Well, uh, when I was in the Navy, I'd lived on the West Coast a lot. I lived in Hawaii, San Diego, and Seattle. Um, great beer markets, all of them. 
a lot of craft breweries opening and a lot of wonderful, wonderful beers. Um, when I moved back home, uh, the only local beer that supposedly was being made here was Dixie. And so when I got back home after Katrina, I drank Dixie religiously to support the local brewery. I never thought I would own a brewery, didn't think I would open one. Um, I had brewed beer a couple of times, and it was absolutely terrible. Worst like in your basement, that kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, okay. really bad. Um, and uh, I drank Dixie for about the first six months I was back home. I was helping friends and family, you know. You were drinking houses. beer to help friends and family? Well, I was gutting their houses and, oh, and just separately. actually looking for a job and drinking the beer to support the local brewery. Because after Katrina... You know, there were so few businesses that still existed in the city. So I was drinking Dixie all the time to support the local brewery. And one day I was sitting in a little bar called uh, called the Mayfair, run by this old lady called Miss Gertie. Yes, She's I know awesome, of this place. Great I, lady. I read a lot. She should be on the show. She's spectacular. <laughs> um, and I was drinking my Dixie at the Mayfair, and I read on the side of the bottle it was brewed and bottled in Wisconsin. And it really bothered me. It just Because that meant we didn't have a brewery anymore, and our city had been the brewing capital of the South. So it got in my head that somebody needed to open a brewery. And finally, uh, after trying to get a friend of mine to open the brewery, and he wouldn't do it, he was a very good home brewer, um, he kind of pushed me and said, you could do it. You just need somebody to, that actually is good at brewing beer, but you could run the business. And he put me in touch with my brewmaster, Peter Cadu, and the, the start of NOLA began right then. And when was that? Uh, 2008, and then the first beers went out the door March 3rd, 2009. And I see you right on, um, I see you on my way up down the river there. You're right on Chapatula's? So Chop and 7th. So if you, if you just look at our beer names, you can figure out where we are. <laughs> we have an Irish Channel Stout, which we're right in the middle of the channel. Uh, our, our IPA is called Hopatula's because we're on Chapatula's. And then our wheat beer is called 7th Street Wheat. So. And you also have a beer called Girl Scout Cookie. Well, let's concerned be real about careful. That one. We have a beer that we serve in the tap room that's nickname is Girl Stout Cookie because oh, it's oh, our oh. stout oh, beer. Oh, I get it. Okay. <laughs> and it has mint and lactose, uh, which is, is milk, basically. The sugar is from milk. And, uh, and then um, some cocoa nibs in it. And it tastes just like you're eating a thin man. So, but if we do put that out publicly, it will not have that name. Okay, all right. The last thing I need is a lawsuit from the Girl Scouts. The, yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to see young females this. selling this in front of Walmart. This is oh, going to be a, <laughs> well, a little booth. Well, maybe twenty-one-year-old females, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, uh, you know, I've got a, a question to ask you, Jed, about this. Um, the Buck Twenty-Five. I assume this is a, a higher proof vodka. Buck Twenty-Five is one hundred and twenty-five proof. Uh, and it's designed for professional use for infusions. Uh, if you want to make an infusion or make your own flavor of any kind of liquor, uh, you take, uh, say, some fresh fruit, uh, vegetables, pour buck 25 on it, and in about two days, it'll extract some amazing flavor. Uh, this works a lot faster than your standard 80-proof vodka uh, due to the higher alcohol content. Uh, buck 25, of course, is 125. Uh, and it's also a reference to uh, one of my partners who's acquired that nickname, as well as the price uh, to ride the New Orleans streetcar. Oh, hey, I would have not put that together. And so uh, there's a plethora of meaning. Uh, and what does it mean if it's a bu if it's a buck twenty-five? It's sixty-two and a half percent. Sixty-two and a half percent. Wow. One hundred twenty-five proof. I'm going to be so much more interesting at parties after this show. This is uh, this is great. Now, um, you know, plus I was I wasn't going to really do this to you, Kirk, but I did see that you were 
you were named Bachelor of the Month by NolaWoman.com. Uh, what, is, there like a, is there a photo spread? What kind of thing is involved here? I so there was a bear rug. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't really like to talk about it. I still feel violated. Um, no, it was, uh, you know, it's... Uh, you, you market yourself for the companies. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's great. Just doing more things no, for the city. It's a huge yeah. compliment. I am not that good looking of a guy. I brew beer for a living so you can get an idea of what, uh, what my oh, body no. shape is. Oh, no. If this was is. TV, people would and, really uh, get it. So, uh, yeah, Bachelor <laughs> of the Month. Come with me and you can drink six packs all night long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things you both offer is, uh, I don't know if it's tours or tastings. Uh, you both... How does, how does that work? And is that a, a good marketing plan for you guys? Yes, we have some uh, weekend visiting hours uh, every weekend from 10 to 4, both Saturday and Sunday, uh, where we invite the visitors to come uh, visit us in the distillery. We don't really call it a tour because right now the distillery is one room. So as soon as you come in, you pretty much <laughs> see the entire thing. Uh, and we are licensed by the state to sell bottles directly out of the distillery. And so we sell bottles to our visitors at that time. And you're in the old uh, American Beauty egg Yes, the Art Egg Building, which is 1001 South Broad Street, directly underneath the Broad Street overpass, uh, with the I-10 on one side and the tracks on the other, and the prison just down the line. Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> working perfectly. Scenic. Scenic, I think, is the way the marketing people explain that. That is, uh, that is great. Now it's time to do the checklist. It's the part of the show where we take a little break and ask a quick question that you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. And uh, I'm going to start with uh, Jed. What's the best day you've ever had at work? Uh, it was probably the day that uh, we released our red absinthe. Uh, certainly, that was a really good one. Uh, and uh, was it the, you had uh, made a big event of it? No, we had just uh, finally got to the point where we could bottle it. Uh, and after going through all this red tape for so many months, uh, getting all these approvals, uh, to finally have the first bottles come off the line, uh, it was pretty nice. That was a nice, yeah, nice feeling. And how long did that, from beginning to end, take? Well, we got our, our final permits and everything in June of 2012. Uh, and then it took until uh, early December before we actually had the product released. Uh, because had, we first had to get the formula approved, had to get the Thujone tested and approved, uh, then had to get the label approved as well. And what do you do for, and let me just ask you, we talk about that best day, had you lined up all the distribution before that? I mean, they started to think about wh where this was going to go? Uh, absolutely. Uh, in fact, as we were in the process of applying for our permits, uh, the state suddenly changed all of its requirements and decided that you had to have a contract with the distributor in advance. Never mind that you didn't have a product yet and weren't fully <laughs> licensed, but you had to have a contract with a distributor saying that they would buy your product, which, of course, did not Whatever yet the heck that exist. Was, yes. <laughs> so uh, we managed to get that done and satisfy the ATC uh, and, and got it all together. Well, that's, that's great. Now, uh, now, Kirk, you're an upbeat guy, but I'm just going to ask you something. What, what, what do you complain about most? What do I complain about most? Uh, uh, it's very easy. When I walk in the door every day, I complain about the cleanliness of our front offices. There's <laughs> everybody in my office right now, if they're listening to the show, they're probably laughing their ass off right now. Um, they, uh, I come in and the first thing I'll say is, the table's all messed up. What if somebody was coming in here? You know, there are no flowers on the table. Let's have this place look <laughs> nice and we're going to have a meeting. Did somebody sweep here? Somebody take the garbage out? So um, that's, I'm ridiculous about that. It, it probably drives them all nuts because they're like, we're making beer. Come on. Lay off. <laughs> we're brewers <laughs> here. That's right. There's but, uh, the going to get spilled. I, I think it's important to have a professional look, you know, throughout the entire brewery because when people come, they associate that with how good your product's going to be. And if they see a dirty office or whatever, they're going to oh, think, yeah. oh, these guys don't know what they're doing. They're just messing around. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so we're very professional. It's all about the beer at our brewery. Number one on our list every day. Beer. <laughs> Having visited Nola Brewing, I can uh, concur with that sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and you guys, by the way, you, you guys knew each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and they came to us. Of course, we had started a little bit earlier than us. Oh, thank you. Um, when, when they were, were getting ready to work up, thank they you. came and talked to us, and, and hopefully we were helpful to them. Yes. I, I like to think. Um, I strongly encourage everyone to... Uh, if you're starting a business, go to people who are already doing that business and ask for assistance. Now, some people won't be nice, but most small businesses have been where you are and want to help you do well as well. So uh, they came to us, and I, I think we were helpful, and, uh, and we became friends from there. And plus, mm -hmm. uh, some of his partners I know just uh, through social you know, networks also. So it's a very small city in New Orleans, the mm -hmm. biggest small town in America. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you walk outside, odds are you'll know eight people passing you on the street. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. not like you're in New York. Is it? <laughs> now, you know, when you talk about that, that's something we hear quite a bit from people like in the business incubators saying that the great thing about New Orleans is that people do help each other out in these businesses. You know, there's a... It's certainly friendly competition, but people want to see the other guy succeed. Well, exactly. Um, other businesses doing well means that they'll be consumers of your business. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, again, it's a small city. You know, you want everybody <laughs> at a job and making money or else I can't sell beer and he can't sell liquor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. and then nobody's having fun. And who wants that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time to do our pay it forward section, which I really like. And it's where we ask our guests to generously use their experience and expertise to help an entrepreneur with a new business. Uh, today we're talking about a new business called Your Nutrition Delivered. Uh, these guys are off to a good start. They were the winner at the Idea Village's 2013 Big Idea Competition. Your Nutrition Delivered prepares healthy meals tailored to a client's personal requirements and delivers them. Uh, our initial, the initial business plan here was to get individuals to sign up online. Now the company founder, Eric Frank, is considering a totally new approach. As part of healthcare reform, new federal regulations allow employers to reduce their contributions to employees' premiums by up to 30% for employees who participate in a workplace wellness program, even if they don't improve their health. Businesses can also charge higher premiums to employees who don't participate in a wellness program. Uh, the question Eric is asking us, uh, both Jed and Kirk here, is pretty major. He's wondering, should we abandon our original model to focus completely on corporations and hospitals? Will that work? Uh, you guys have both proven business sense and intuition. Uh, what's your s feeling on this one? I'll, maybe we'll start with, uh, start with Kirk. Okay. Uh First off, I, I think he needs to deliver beer for this product. <laughs> I think that would be great. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, but let's, let's, let's pass that one up. Um, I think that he needs to at least keep the core that he started because I, I think he has a great product. I've had his food. It's wonderful. Um, and if you're trying to get healthy, uh, having it delivered to your house is real easy. Um, if he wants to branch into this, if, if it's a potential way to bring in new customers, certainly do it. But don't give up your old plan. Uh, that plan has gotten a lot of customers already in this city. It, it's gotten me to eat his food, and I think it's spectacular. Um, uh, by the way, the Idea Village program that he was in is something very unique about New Orleans where you have a bunch of entrepreneurs that come together and help other entrepreneurs get their business up and running successfully. And, and it's something that I'm a part of and I think it's great. And you are a, um, a mentor for the 2014 season, I am, right? I'm a mentor. And just to kind of tell you how friendly this city is, 
one of the companies I'm mentoring is a brewery that's starting up in the city, and I'm helping them get up started, get their product out on the market. And then once they're competing with us, we'll have a little friendly competition. At the end of the day, we'll drink <laughs> beers together. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way your story's in. That's what I like. And what do you <laughs> it all ends with cocktails ends with or beer. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're drinking wine, cocktails, or beer at the end of every story I have. <laughs> now, wh now, what do you think? Uh, you, you, what's your advice? Well, it sounds like they're talking about a pretty big pivot going from a business to consumer down to a business to business thing. So obviously, their sales and marketing strategy will probably need some adjustment, and they'll need to think about that in their process. Now, one of the first things and things that I always advise uh, for any type of business plan is always to do a, com a competitive analysis, shop the competition. Uh, in fact, I was aware of a company that is in exactly the space that they're describing uh, with their pivot, uh, which is a company called Zero Cater out in California. Uh, they've achieved a bit of no notoriety on the internet due to the fact that they went through Y Combinator, which is one of the top incubator programs in the country. In fact, some people say it is the top incubator country program in the country. So I would advise them to shop the competition, see what Zero Cater is doing. If they have someone who's out in California, have them use the Zero Cater service, see what they do, try and figure out what their business model, financial model is, uh, and see if they can actually replicate that or if it makes sense for them. That's, uh, that's a very, very good advice on that. They, uh, see, that's the way, that's the way you would, you would uh, look at your competition, right? Just go out and drink their beers and you'd go over and uh, Drink, drink their vodkas and mm -hmm. such? Absolutely. Yeah, my, my whole purpose at my company is to make the best beer possible. We, we have a priority list. It's real short. It's four things. And top of the list is beer. Second on the list is my team. So if whatever decision I'm making, this is the list I go through. What's best for the beer? If it's good for the beer, we do it. If it's bad for the beer, we don't. If it's neutral for the beer, then what's best for the team? If it's good for the team, we do it. If it's bad for the team, we don't. If that's neutral, we go down to our community which is New Orleans, it's our environment. If it's good for that environment, that community, we do it. If it's not good, we don't do it. If it's neutral, it goes down to number four, the last one on the list, profits. And then if it's profitable, we do it. If it's not profitable, we don't. But it never gets to profits till it's gone through the, all those layers. And you know, we try to make the best beer. And by tasting other people's beer, helping them become manufacturers of beer, it will bring our game up. And that's going to make our beer better. So we're in favor of it. And the city needs lots of breweries and lots of distilleries. It had them before. <laughs> yep. We had great competition here and, and did spectacularly well. Who were the great well. beers that were here? Oh, there's so many. We had Jack's, Dixie, Falstaff, Regal. Those are the big ones that were yep. here. But you can look back. There was Pelican, 4X. There was uh, all different brands all the way back into the 1800s. The New Orleans Brewing Company, their building is seven blocks away from where my building is. It's the first building that used actual refrigeration in the United States. And it was to refrigerate beer so that they could make lagers, which is amazing. Uh, wow. Right there in the 1890s uh, on Jackson Street. And you can drive by it any day you want. It's and still you know, there. At some point, actually in the past, uh, I can't give you any distillery names, but there were enough distilleries in New Orleans that there was a New Orleans manuf Absinthe Manufacturers Association. Like an Absinthe OPEC? Something like that. <laughs> well, really? That's amazing. Yeah, so I think there were three or four of them. And what, when would that have been, like, roughly? Uh, early 1900s. Wow. That is an that amazing yeah, well, story. And, and Southern Comfort is, is a famous as a New Orleans liqueur that was invented here. It's made in Kentucky now because all the distilleries moved over to Kentucky for several reasons. But one of the biggest is that when you were in New Orleans back then, you were getting taxed at such a high rate that it was worth it to pick up your whole business and move somewhere else. 
What you find now is uh, a New Orleans that's changing and is becoming more business friendly and is encouraging businesses to start and, and hopefully will draw some more of those businesses back towards our base. You know, one thing I just wanted to close with is that you two are not the first people that have said that profit shouldn't be the number one motive in starting a company, that mm -hmm. it'll come. I remember John Kerner was here talking about when he, uh, he nationalized, you know, really pushed out Bark's root beer, said the same, th said the same thing. So uh, I think you're on to something. <laughs> in fact, I could cite a sort of similar priority list to what Kirk mentioned. Uh, certainly the product is extremely important to us, and for me the team is also uh, very, very important. That's sort of one of the number one factors in any business, whether you'll succeed or fail, is whether your team is good and works well together. Uh, I'll mention one more factor, though, uh, which Kirk didn't, which is that uh, the business be close to, close to one's home. Uh, in my case, uh, it's about five minutes away, <laughs> short enough to go by bicycle, uh, because <laughs> I used to commute downtown for about 15 minutes driving, and that's just way too long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we'll add commute to, their, to our uh, lineup on that. Now, Kirk Coco, uh, Jed Haas, there's an old saying about how to be successful in business, uh, build a better mousetrap, uh, take a simple product and manufacture it better than everyone else, and you two guys are proof that there's still truth in that simple wisdom. Selling beer and spirits to New Orleanians is a testament both to your superior products and your superior business acumen. It's been great meeting you, and thanks both for joining me on Out to Lunch today. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. And, and thank you for this wonderful bread pudding souffle I that they are <laughs> dousing <laughs> in front of me. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Kurt Coco, founder of Nola Brewing, and Jed Haas, founder of Italia V. Uh, to find out more about Jed's whiskey, absinthe, and vodka, or Kirk's beers, follow the links on our websites, www.no.org, and it's neworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday, with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer today is Chris Keogh. The denim-clad Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all all our music on Out to Lunch. You can get our show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's neworleans.com and www.no.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Eris Studio monitors, and more. More information about Baton Rouge-based PreSonus is online at PreSonus.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. I look forward to meeting you again next week for Out to Lunch around the table here at Commander's Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker and Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC.